Today's podcast features an article from Discern Magazine. Jesus Calls His Disciples Just before he began his public ministry, Jesus began calling a group of men to be his disciples or students. What can we learn from their calling? After his temptation in the wilderness, Jesus began calling a group of men who became his disciples. What can we learn from the way Jesus selected this small group of ordinary men? What did it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And what can the calling of the original disciples teach us about being a disciple of Christ today? But let's first ask, what is a disciple? The word disciple comes from a Greek word, methetes. The word means a pupil or a student of a teacher. In ancient times, a disciple was not merely a student who sat in a classroom being lectured by a teacher, but was also a follower. Disciples were students who committed themselves to not just learning what their teacher taught, but following how the teacher lived, following the teacher's example. Now, Jesus had two kinds of disciples, two groups, a larger group and a smaller group. Disciples in the larger group did not follow Jesus everywhere he went, but would often gather to hear him speak or watch him heal. The smaller group was a group of committed disciples, the disciples we know most about, the men who traveled with him and dedicated their lives full-time to being his pupils. Of these, a core group of men were nicknamed the Twelve. We find that in Mark 4, verse 10. Discipleship was a common form of education in the ancient world, especially among the Jews. Some parents would seek out a rabbi of high reputation and send their young son to learn from him. This was apparently how Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul later in life, was educated in his youth. You can find that in Acts 22, verse 3. A committed disciple would spend the majority of his time with the teacher and would learn by listening to the teacher's discourses, asking questions, and observing the teacher's example. The disciple was also expected to eventually pass on what he learned to others. Jesus individually selected his disciples to follow him as grown men, not young boys. He then gave them a unique and intense training at his side. So let's take a look at the first three disciples Jesus called. We read of the calling of Jesus' first disciples in the first chapter of the book of John. Jesus was near the Jordan River where his cousin, John the Baptist, was working. Upon seeing Jesus, John the Baptist, or John, identified him as the Messiah. When two of John's disciples understood who Jesus was, they immediately left John and began following Jesus. One of these young men was Andrew, the son of Jonah. The other is not named. After becoming convicted that he had found the long-awaited Messiah, Andrew, the son of Jonah, sought out his brother, who was named Simon, and excitedly shared the news and introduced him to Jesus. Though Simon was intrigued, it seems, he did not quite commit to becoming a full-time disciple at this time. We'll return to him later. The next day, Jesus called another man named Philip to follow him. Philip, like Andrew, was so excited that he had found the Messiah that he went and shared the news with his friend Nathaniel and shared the news about the Messiah's arrival. 
Now, Nathaniel was actually initially very skeptical. Upon hearing that this Jesus came from Nazareth, he responded with prejudice. In fact, he said in verse 46 of John chapter 1, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Sadly, human beings often prejudge people before they even know them. And that's what this man did here. But it didn't take long for him to change his perspective. So from John chapter 1, it appears that Jesus' first three disciples were Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel, possibly another name for Bartholomew, who we read about later. The disciples we know most about were called a little bit later. So now let's turn to them, the four fishermen, the most famous of Jesus' twelve disciples. After traveling north, Jesus settled in Capernaum, which was a fishing village on the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. It seems Jesus used this town as a sort of base of operations, or the headquarters of his work. You find that in Matthew 4, verse 13. Now, it's important to note that Jesus wasn't a homeless drifter. He actually had, it seems, a home in Capernaum. Now, oftentimes when he was traveling, he had nowhere to lay his head. But it does seem that he had a place to go back to, that he did have a base that he was working from. Now, one day, Jesus was walking along the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee, and he came upon four commercial fishermen. The men were Simon and Andrew, the sons of Jonah, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee. The families of Jonah and Zebedee had formed a business partnership, so these men were essentially all working together. Now, looking at these four men, in all likelihood, they considered their future set. They were settled in Capernaum, probably lived a comfortable life there, and worked in a business that would likely support them the rest of their days. At least one of them, Simon, later called Peter, had a wife and a home. We read that in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 30. Jesus first approached Simon and Andrew, saying to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. So he's saying he's proposing a career change. Instead of fishers of fish, he was going to make them fishers of men. Then Jesus came to John and James while they were mending their nets or fixing their nets and called them also to follow him. Though all four men accepted Christ's calling at that time, it seems they didn't leave the fishing business immediately. Because a few days later, in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, they are still fishing, and only fully walked away from the business after Jesus performed an unmistakable miracle, which you can read about in Luke 5, verses 6 through 7. After that, they brought their boats to land, forsook all, and followed him. They committed to being his disciples. But being a disciple did not just mean a calling to follow. It also meant a calling to change. Three of these men, Peter, James, and John, would become the inner core of the twelve disciples. Jesus gave them special training to prepare them for the jobs he would give them later. But these men weren't called because they were perfect. In fact, far from it. They had many weaknesses and rough edges that they would need to work on and that would need to be changed and smoothed out over the coming years. For example, Peter could be impulsive, often saying things without understanding, and even in one stressful situation, resorted to lying, cursing, and swearing. Peter was by no means a perfect man. 
In fact, because of this, early on, Peter even tried to convince Jesus to drop him as a disciple. He saw himself completely unworthy of his calling because of his personal weaknesses. It's interesting that there's no record that Jesus even considered Peter's request. Then you have James and John, two brothers who, it seems, shared a violent nature that came out when they perceived an injustice. In Luke 9, verse 54, they wanted to call fire down from heaven and destroy a whole town. Because of this proclivity, Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder. You can read about that in Mark 3, verse 17. This teaches us a very important lesson about the character of Jesus Christ, a lesson that is important for us to understand and recognize today. That lesson is, Jesus Christ looks at people through the lens of their potential. He sees them for what they can become, not necessarily what they are at the start. As for Simon Peter, Jesus looked at his personality and his character and saw how it could be refined and redirected toward a bold and balanced zeal for serving God. Yes, it took time for Peter to change from a brash fisherman to a fisher of men. But Christ never gave up on him, not even during his darkest and weakest moments. He saw the potential of Peter, not the weaknesses. He was willing to work through the weaknesses to make Peter the man he was calling him to become. So now let's consider three lessons we can learn from the calling of the early disciples. Three important lessons. Lesson number one, becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ requires a change of thinking. This principle is very evident in Nathanael's initial reaction to Jesus, that Jesus couldn't possibly be the Messiah because nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And of course, Jesus was from Nazareth. Now, dismissing a person because of where he or she comes from is a serious form of prejudice. It's a problem. It's wrong. But instead of rejecting Nathanael for his wrong thinking, for his prejudicial attitude, Jesus helped him rise above it. Becoming a disciple involves changing one's thinking and behavior, not leaving it as is. Today, Christ's disciples are likewise required to rise above their wrong thinking and character flaws through the process of repentance and overcoming. Conversion. We are to change. Lesson number two. Becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ means leaving one's old life behind. The first four fishermen had to walk away from their old lives of being fishermen and start a new life. They couldn't fully commit to being Christ's disciples and operate a full-time commercial fishing business. Though God doesn't require most people who he calls to leave behind their career, he does require them to leave behind their old way of life, their old way of sin, and embrace a new way of life, a new way of thinking, a new way of behaving. The Bible calls this conversion, and it's only possible because God does look at us through the lens of what we can become, through the lens of our potential, through the lens of what we can become with his help, the help of the Holy Spirit of God in us. In order to become disciples today, individuals have to soberly count the cost and consider if they're truly willing to leave their old way of life behind and fully commit to following him, which means changing changing their character, changing their thinking, changing their habits, changing their way of life. And the final lesson, lesson number three, Christ calls ordinary people to eventually do an extraordinary job. 
None of Jesus' first century disciples were the who's who of Galilean society. But God often chooses to do great things through regular people. For the twelve, becoming disciples of Jesus was training for the work he would give them later as apostles. God isn't calling the celebrities and influencers of this world. Not at all. He calls ordinary people and gives them an extraordinary potential that is great, even greater than becoming apostles. The people he is calling today, he is calling to the high calling of kings and priests in his soon coming kingdom. You can read about that in Revelation 5 verse 10. Yes, God is still calling disciples today. Their calling is, in many ways, similar to the calling that was extended to Philip, Nathaniel, Andrew, Simon, James, and John. It is a calling to learn from Jesus Christ and to walk as he walked. Thanks for listening. For more information from today's featured article, visit lifehopeandtruth.com.